0: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Mike's on. He's ready to go. On the fan,
1: New York Sports Radio. Mike's on. Mike's on.
2: and FM Alright, we come to you this evening on this uh, June 11th brought to you by Casamigos Tequila, as always, brought to you by those who drink it on this, what turned out to be an overcast and a rainy day here in New York. But uh, all eyes, obviously, were on golf today, and it just shows you, it just shows you how starved everybody is for action because this has been the lead story. If you turned on anything today... You heard golf. You heard people who never, ever talk golf, talking about golf, people texting about golf. I mean, it just shows you how crazy it has been. It has been so hard to find something from a sports standpoint that you can even get involved with or get behind that it just shows you where a tournament that probably not one word would ever be uttered In New York in June about the Colonial, unless somebody like you know Phil Mickelson or Tiger Woods tore up the course or something crazy happened, you wouldn't hear a word about this tournament. Not a word. But it has now become the only story in sports right now. I mean, there's a couple of peripheral things going on, but let's be honest. Everybody's talking about the same thing, and that's the golf today. Uh, And really what happened is, from a standpoint of presentation, all right, it was quiet. Wasn't that different? They had announcers in different places. Jim's in one place, you know. uh, Nick Faldo's in another place. Uh, Depending on what time you watch, if you watch when they put uh, Jim on, before that they had the golf guys on from the Golf Channel. I mean, so they've been covering it a lot of the day, and you know they've been playing all day there. Uh, So nothing that crazy when you when you watch it, it has the same look. I mean, you see the caddies. It's the same approach, everything, except there's no fans. There's no noise. Other than that, uh, it looks like golf always looks on television. So from that standpoint, nothing that crazy. Uh, And let's be honest. These guys uh, have been shut down. Now, it doesn't mean they haven't played golf because the one thing that has really gained during the pandemic has been golf. Golf has especially once weather has turned nice in, in this part of the country or in parts of the country where you had to wait for the weather to turn, golf courses, except for the couple of weeks where everything was shut down, golf courses have gotten an incredible amount of action this year. People who have never, ever played golf are out playing golf. People who had gone away from golf are back playing golf. The golf courses, whether you're talking about Municipal courses, whether you're talking about private golf courses, they are busier than they have ever been. Why? Because you can get outside, get in the fresh air, and play. Number two, people have had a lot of time on their hands. And number three, no matter what your schedule is, no matter what you, you do with, in terms of you know, going to watch your kid play, uh, driving your kids to activities and to games or to practices and everything else. Those leagues are all shut down. All your kids' activities have been shut down. So what are people doing? They're playing golf. I, I can tell you. The places I play have never, ever been busier. They're the bu- busiest we have ever seen them. by far, Not even close, by a wide margin. And that's true of golf courses everywhere. So this has actually been... In a sport that was slowing down in terms of participation, this has actually been a tremendous boon for golf, believe it or not. As crazy as that sounds, it's, it's true. Now, as far as this tournament goes, right from the start, where if you've been following it since early today, when Justin Rose got out there and just started right away and just boom, boom, boom. Went to the leaderboard and just kept improving his lead. He wound up uh, shooting a 63, but he wasn't alone. Vaughn has shot a 63 this afternoon, late in the day. To tie him right now, right now they both can get past, though, because there's still guys on the course with a lot. And I'll tell you, if you are anything less than four on the par right now, you have dropped a couple of strokes to the field because there are so many guys four, five. Six and even seven under par. I mean, it is amazing how many guys have just torn this course up today. So the course is played uh, relatively easy. You have about 60 players under par, you have about 30 players, maybe 35 players, at least three under par or more. And you have a lot of players. That have finished today at least four, you know, from four of a par. You have him, who's played well last year. Shoffly's four on the par. Connors, Straka, Spieth, who we talked about yesterday extensively, and who Michael didn't like. I said, hey, what about Spieth? I have Spieth as one of my long shots. Spieth is playing. He's four on the par. Now, I know he didn't play well this week there, but he's doing well. Michael didn't like him. He also didn't like Dustin Johnson. He was right about Dustin Johnson. Dustin Johnson had a struggle to just get back to one over, which is a bad round in today's action. He was out of it from the get-go. Okay, But uh, Kisner's four over. Moore's four over. Poulter's four over. Taylor's four over. Uh, You have... Dechambeau, Duncan, Berger, Hadwin, Thomas, Woodland, uh, Harmon—all uh, five over par, and some of them are still out on the course, so they're they're continuing to move north uh, as we move on. So it's not like this is just the end. We got more guys, and they're scoring like crazy, you know, as we still go on. Uh, yesterday, Bree talked about Rahm, who we picked to win the tournament, and Rahm was. He's fine. I mean, he's a couple under par. He's two under par right now. Uh, also, uh, two under par is Kepka's two under par. Uh, he came out and buried the first two holes. Rory's two under par. Phil Mickelson was four under early. finished one under par. Um, as I mentioned, Thomas is five under par. And uh, he liked, and so did a lot of people, like Murakawa, Colin Murakawa, as their. Uh, as one of their players here, he got a lot of action everywhere. His numbers were way down from what you thought they would be. You'd think he'd be a real long shot. He wasn't. He was getting a lot of action uh, yesterday. Today, he was getting a ton of action before it started, and he was six under par as we speak, still on the course. So uh, the young guy from California who uh, – that was Breed's breakthrough player this year who he felt was going to not only play well this week, he felt he was on his way to being a star. Uh, great pick there because right now he is uh, lighting it up, as is Varner. And Varner played well late last year. If you, if you follow it, you know that last year you saw him on more than a couple of occasions, jump up and get on the leaderboard. He did that, so uh, from that standpoint, you know you're not shocked. You're not shocked to see him there because he's done. He's he's really been playing really good golf. Um, end of last year, end of this year, playing really. You got Vegas is still on six under par. Answer six under par. Uh, they're they're finished for the day. They shot their sixty fours. Mirakawas through fifteen holes. Playing 16 now, I believe, and he is uh six under par. Lehman blast from the past. John Lehman five under par. Uh, Harmon, five under par. Woodland played very well. Uh so really guys tore it up. So who was bad today? What guys name players did they really just play terribly today? Not not that many guys, uh, name guys who were really out of it. Um as far as on that list, you have to scan through not that many. I mean, uh, of the name guys, I don't have anybody. Uh, Webb Simpson's two over. Um, English is two over. Nah, is, uh, finished two over, but he's got a bad back. Um, not that many guys. I mean, Corley's uh, finished one over. DJ, Dustin J- uh, Fowler's one over. Uh, Dustin Johnson's won over. Finau's won over through 14. Um, so not that many guys playing terribly. But right now, if you're even par, you have a lot of work to do because there are a ton of players who are really under par and, and obviously led by the very talented Rose, who is uh, seven under par as we speak. So... Um, they tore it up today. They were ready to play. They did it in a uh, big way. They mic'd a couple of the players. Not that the only guy who was prominent who I saw wearing a mic was Rick, Ricky Fowler. They didn't really use it much. You caught a couple of profanities a couple of times on on the uh, on on the audio, but nothing crazy. Um, I thought the coverage was pretty much, you know, what you would expect for golf, uh, except there's no fans. That's basically it. As, and from that standpoint, everything else seems, you know, about as normal, I guess, as it can be right now. You know, a couple of things about today. Number one, as you probably know, it was a wickedly bad day on the stock market, which has been ripping lately. It took a big hit today. Uh, probably be- a couple of reasons. One, couple of things that the Fed chairman said yesterday afternoon that were, ta- that were taken as pessimistic. But really the biggest reason is you have seen some of the states start to have outbreaks again or have outbreaks seriously for the first time. Different states starting to have major outbreaks of the virus, which is, I think, scared people. I think it's actually scared some of the players in some of the other sports too because you've heard some rumblings that there are NBA players who really – might be having second thoughts. So because I think what they're seeing is they're seeing an uptick again in a couple of states, which we probably knew was going to happen. The question is, listen, nobody's going to turn around and shut the states down again. I don't think that will happen. I think they will just ask the people who feel uh, they are threatened in some way or need medical care to just get handled. The question really is if a city gets overrun. Like New York virtually did when the thing was at its height, where it was all we were on a brink of getting overrun didn't happen came close didn't get overrun, but it was it was it was nip and tuck come a couple of those hospitals for a couple of days uh, The question is how much is this an issue we just don't know you just don't know, so you take it one day and see what happens as things start to open up let's see how we can handle and keep things as safe as we possibly can, and keep your fingers crossed that things just don't get out of hand. That's basically it. All right, as we do before we take the phone calls, and we will. get your calls in so you can get aboard right now. Uh, back to the uh, Mickey and Bernie for their days. Let's go to uh, Mickey first today. 6-11, that's the date. 1964. Mickey had two home runs in the game. Uh, two for four with three RBIs. Two home runs again, and the Yankee win over the Red Sox. Home runs number 10 and 11. Uh... Was 309, 430 on base percentage uh, 10 and 11 home runs twenty eight RBIs uh, as he went two for four in a Yankee win. As for Bernie, Bernie, this is an interesting game. Bernie batted leadoff on this day, June eleventh, nineteen ninety five. This is before the Yankees really; they're just starting to reemerge. Remember, in ninety four, the strike year that is shut down, the Yankees have a good team, they have the second-best record in baseball behind the Montreal Expos, and obviously the season gets shut down. And a lot of Yankee fans are upset because you know, they didn't get to go to the playoffs. So 95, yeah, remember, 95 the early in the season, Yankees didn't play well. The Yankees were, at this date, they went into uh, the game on June 11th against the Mariners at 15-24. and 24. It's not a good record, obviously. They had yet to turn it around and and really get going. Even though they'd played well in 94, there was still a lot of movement and a lot of experimentation, and this was a very noteworthy uh, game for that reason. Now, in this game, just to show you how different things were, Bernie on this date when the Yankees beat the Mariners 10-7 and did it with a big uh, eighth-inning comeback, uh, Bernie was in center field. He was only hitting 230. He went three for four. He had two RBIs, uh, and he had a home run. Um, his fifth, that's all it was so far on the season, just five. He uh, also, he just finished the game with 20 RBIs. It was numbers when it were not great. Five home runs, 20 RBIs, batting 233. He was batting leadoff. This Yankee lineup was noteworthy for a couple things. Number one, it, when you think about this, you know this was a team still in transition. This was... Bernie batting leadoff. Randy Velarde batting second left field. Wade Boggs batting third in, at third base. Lairitz batting fourth as the catcher. Mattingly in his last year batting uh, fifth at first. Dave Silvestri was the DH. Tony Fernandez was at second base. Gerald Williams was in right. Replaced later in the game by Deion James. This was a team that still had Mike Stanley, still had Danny Tartable, had Gerald Williams and had a young man batting ninth and playing shortstop named Derek Jeter. On this night, the Yankees came back and won this game because the starter in this game got racked. His name was Mariano Rivera. He pitched two and a third. He gave up five runs, seven hits. And after the game was over, the Yankees took the two kids named named Mariano Rivera and Derek Jeter and shipped them to the minors. After this game. Shift him to the minor leagues. That was it. They, weren't going to be, they were shipping him to the minors. Mariano would become a reliever. That was the situation. He's going to the minors. He's going to learn to become a reliever. When he came back, he was a reliever. And Gita really never came back. He didn't play a lot this year. He played one more game, I think, the whole season. And then he rode the bench with Jorge as when the Yankees went to the playoffs and lost to the Mariners. But things changed when he got to start at the start of the 1960s, as you know, before the season started in 96, the Yankees almost traded Mariano Rivera for a shortstop, for Felix Vermeen. didn't happen. Jeter became the shortstop. Mariano became who he became. Jeter became who he became, and those two right now are in the Hall of Fame. On this date, in 1995, they both went to the minors together, crying in their soup, went to the minors together. Next year, they returned to the team. The team won the World Series. They were huge parts of the reason why, and they both went back, went all the way to the Hall of Fame just to show you how fortunes can change back after this. All right, Thomas joins uh, the group of six under. Another guy, Dan, one of the favorites to win it. The favorite to win the tournament was McIlroy. He's two under, putting for a bird right now, and he misses it. What else, what else is new? The second favorite was Johnny, uh, was John Rahm. The third favorite was Thomas. Um, uh, he is uh, Murakawa for the lead. to go to seven under, and oh, he misses. Missed the short putt. Would have gone to seven under. Kid from California, Cal Berkeley, uh, and an up-and-coming player, uh, and playing well, obviously, today. So Thomas goes to six under par. Rory's still... Uh, Going 18 is two under par. Roy just doesn't make enough putts. That's the bottom line. Kepka's two under. He buried one and two, and that's it. He had a birdie putt on three. He missed it, and he hasn't done anything since. Uh, I don't like Kepka's mustache. First I've seen of it. He also uh, looks like he's gained a couple pounds. He doesn't look to be in tip-top shape. Um, Murakow, that was 18. He would have gone to seven on this, and now he's done for the day at, at, uh, at six under. Um you know, Kepka, these tournaments, he doesn't play crazy. Uh, but uh, And also, I don't like Ricky Fowler's mustache either. I don't like that either. And he's not playing well. He's two over par right now. Two over par is a bad round. DJ was one over par today. That's a bad round. Over par is just a bad round, That's all there is to it. You have to be to be in the mix there, you need to be you know, three, four on the par. Otherwise you gave up a couple of strokes to most of the field. Uh Spieth just went to five on the par. So how about that? You know what? I, I just had an inkling about him this week that you know he's been so bad for so long. He loves this course, he's played so well on this course before. He's had some great moments there. I thought maybe he'd get a little something going, and he was a generous odds. Now, Breed didn't like him, but he liked a lot. He didn't like DJ. He was right. He also, he liked Murakawa a lot, and he liked Rahm, who's still very much in contention, and he liked Murakawa a lot also, uh, so he gave some good things. Uh, he did not like speed though. He thought he was playing terribly, and the book on him was, and early when I was in the car today and Spieth was won over, I was listening to it on the car, the play-by-play, and they said, oh, Spieth's had a miserable week. He's had, hit the ball terribly, and... He's gotten hot now with the putter, though. This is a course that he likes very much, so he's 5-under. And to me, that's one of the stories of the day, that he goes to 5-under par. Mickelson, as we said early on, was one under, was 4-under, and he slipped back to 1-under. Tiger's not there, uh, but most of the best players in the world are uh, 17 in the top 20, 8 in the top 10, and a lot of them are on the leaderboard, led by uh, Rose and Varner at 7-under par um paul in middle village starts us off what's up paul
1: Hi, mike that was fast um yeah i've never spoken with you bear with me a minute because i went blind three years ago and i I don't process as well as i used to okay i was actually on to talk with evan and joe so Mm -hmm. i tailored my comments questions for them but i got disconnected and then i got you so i thought it might be interesting even though it might not be for you i'll give you the same questions out of curiosity I wanted a, uh, cause Evan always does like on the technological gadgets, the, uh, statistics. Little out of the box, Daryl Strawberry, Howard Johnson, and David Wright, a comparison of their careers. And I don't think you're a big music guy, but I was going to ask your, um, Mount Rushmore of, uh, Classic rock bands. I don't do. I don't.
2: I I, I I, don't. Okay. I don't do outmusshaws. Not my thing. Um, That's not my thing. But as far as the players, Strawberry was in a different league as far as talent. I mean, Strawberry had the talent to be a walk in Hall of Famer. And thank you for the call. Uh, Howard was Howard was a good player who happened to be a. Guy who was a dead red fastball hitter. That's what he was. You couldn't get a fastball past Howard Johnson. He was a dead red fastball hitter. Everyone knew it. He killed the fastball. That's why I remember he used to always hit Todd Worrell. Remember Todd Worrell from the Cardinals? Because the guy was just a guy who trying to throw the ball by people. And that's what Howard was great at. He was great. And he was a switch hitter who was deadly from the left side. Not the right side. Um, David had a chance... If you go and look at David's the start of David's career, David was also a very talented player. Not in the league with Strawberry, because Strawberry had a chance to be an all-time great. He had that kind of tools. He had everything. Strawberry had everything. Strawberry could have been any kind of player. Strawberry could have been Frank Robinson. He could have been anybody. He had that kind of ability. Wright had a chance, though. To have a really tremendous career, and if you look at it before the injuries really ravaged them, he was on his way to a a really terrific, terrific career. Uh, if you if you draw a line after, if you draw a line after two thousand. Let's say 2000, just to be fair, 2010. He's 27 years old. And he's put together 27-102, 26-116, 30-107, 33-124. Got hurt, then came back. Yeah, you know, Got hurt in 09, but came back in, in 10 with 29-103. Uh, All those years except one, he hit well over 300. His batting average at that time was about 312, 314. He, had, he was averaging 40 doubles a year. He was averaging high 20 homers a year. He's knocking in 100 runs. He's scoring 100 runs. He's got a chance at that point to have a great career. And then his career, except for 12, he never has another big year in his career. So... He had the ability to be a perennial all-star. So there's three levels to those players. Strawberry had a chance to be an immortal. Uh, Wright had a chance to be a Hall of Famer. And Hojo was a good player. He was, not, he was not on their level as a player. But he was a very productive home run hitter and a, very, and a, dead, a great dead red fastball hitter. Robert McAinan, what's up, Robert? Good today? What's happening?
0: Hey, Mike, how are you doing today? Good, what's up? I uh, wanted to talk about the golf. and yeah, go ahead. you know, We've talked a lot about three of the four major sports trying to figure out how to get their act together and get back into competition. And as I was listening to you and Michael yesterday and a couple of other commentators with some of the other shows and then watching the golf today, the golf, the PGA has set this thing up brilliantly, okay? They've got four tournaments in a row. At places that they don't usually get all the big guys to go to. No spectators, fine, but they got all the big guys to go for obvious reasons. They're going to tear these places up, which reminds us of how great they are, Okay, between this week, Heritage, mm-hmm. Hartford, and then yep. Detroit. Right. And then you come back to Jack's tournament with right. spectators.
2: With, with, with a, with a, with a, a, a num- maybe 20% normals, but, uh, but spectators, oh, but okay. not, a, not a big number.
0: But reintroducing
2: us. Yes, reintroducing players spectators, players. yes, at, at Jack's at, tournament, at, correct.
0: At Jack's tournament. And then did you notice that they took the Iowa tournament that decided not to try to run it, and they're going to host that tournament at Jack's place the following week. And that just keeps pressing us closer and closer to where they're going to get into major season. And they to, to my mind, and I'd love to hear your thoughts, I think they pulled this off
2: well, I mean, they have, an, they have an advantage. They don't have a huge advantage. The players are individual players anyway. It's a, you, There's no team concept. You just have to take care of yourself and your caddy. That's it. You don't have a lot of personnel involved. You're outside, which is an enormous advantage. And the only thing that is a challenge is the television coverage, which is a challenge because you have the announcers here in four different places doing the game. Uh, you, have, you have the announcers in four different places doing the announcing from four different venues. So uh, that, well, That's just, a bit of a I'm challenge, but you know what? They'll pull it off because as as long as they have Nance there, they'll have no problem because he's that good. He'll be and able was, to bring everybody the, into it. The
0: next thing I was going to ask you is, you watched enough today, and of course, I, I know about your relationship with Jim, and I agree with you about how excellent he is. I thought they pulled it off really, really well. They did.
2: Well. It, it was it, it, it was seamless, and it's not a seamless production because they did the production. Remember, one thing that if you know the business. Trucks were an enormous issue here because production oh, trucks yeah. are usually very cramped and very crowded. They're like if you're in a trailer. If you went into a trailer, like a trailer at a... Uh, a site where they're building something and you walked inside the trailer. They're going to jam a bunch of people into those trailers. Now they don't have the ability to jam people into the trailers. So they have to use more trailers. Definition so, beyond social right. So this is an issue, but they did a very good job. And if you have a guy as good and they even have the, even did a very good job with the interview setup, up the way they did it, uh, having the podium and that interview area for the players. Very good idea and very well set up. Golf is, I agree with you, it's outside, which is a huge advantage. Individual players use advantage. And uh, it's very, it, 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 it lends itself in a lot of ways. Now, it'll be a little weird at certain places, venues where, and thanks for the call, we used to having fans in the building. And you 're used to you know seeing fans outline the eighteen or outline certain areas, but you know what you 'll get used to that too, and like you said we 'll see what happens with jack uh, jack 's tournament. The only thing the reason why everyone 's holding their breath a little bit now is we have seen an uptick in the virus in certain parts of the country again since we 've opened up, and that 's what everyone's in sports, and everyone and everything is watching to see what the numbers are going to look like. Even the players are doing that. Okay, now on the plus side, we have seen or heard of a couple of, and today was a very, I think the virus making a little bit of a comeback was one of the reasons why the market took such a big hit today. But we have seen also that a couple of the companies, Lilly, Johnson & Johnson, Regeneron, Moderna, have all given you good news. For the most part, in the last couple of days, that they're moving in the right direction and maybe even moving quicker than they thought. J&J announced that yesterday, that they were moving, they're moving up their testing and moving up to the next level because they fe- now this is with the therapeutic, this is not a vaccine, this is with a the therapeutic that they feel is very effective. So you're getting some – and there's a lot of still confidence in what Moderna is doing. There's still a lot of confidence that they uh, – and they do a lot of gene stuff and new wave stuff that they're going to be able to do a lot of that stuff too and, and move quickly with, with their stuff. So uh, hopefully – see, that, that's really – let's be honest. Before we get back to any sense of normalcy, before we ever get back to anything that even resembles normalcy, we have to have a drug that works. We have to have a drug that at least keeps people out of the hospital. And if we get that and it's proved effective, we got the game uh, at least under control. I don't want to say beat, but at least under control. So that's a big, because then you can go back in a stadium. Like right now, nobody is going to go back in a stadium, uh, or very few people are going to go back into a stadium unless they're kids. If they're young, maybe they would. And like I can give you an example. They made camp so restrictive. For my, my kids' camp was so restrictive, they canceled it. They were going to camp in New Hampshire, and their camp got canceled because the camp people felt that it was just too restrictive for them to have fun with the kids this summer, that the state put so many restrictions on them, they just didn't feel it was worth it. I mean, they were asking kids to go up there And one of the big ideas is to have, you know, a bunch of kids and then have them all play against all the other camps and play against all the kids in the camp. And they were saying, no, you're going to play only with the 12 kids that you bunk with. You weren't going to see anybody else. I mean, that's not going to work. Kids don't want to go to camp for that. They wanted to go to camp to interact with all the other camps and to play against all the other camps and everything else. And they weren't allowing that. So – they didn't have camp this year, as an example. So not everything is perfect yet by any stretch. Uh, but this is a step in the right direction. But I do think golf was better suited to this than a lot of other sports have been, obviously. And being outdoors and being an individual sport was a big positive. But today I think it's definitely a, uh, a on the plus side. I think they did a great job. And it looks like the Golf Channel and uh, Jim and all his crew have done an excellent job. Back after this. All right, we're back. We'll take you right up until uh, 7 o'clock. Richard in Manhattan, what's on your mind?
1: I get to, Mike, before I get to the amateur draft, who do you take, Musial or Frank Robinson?
2: Uh, 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 I mean, those are two all-time great players. I mean, so I mean, they're both immortal players, so it, I mean, it's really not much to choose from. Okay. I mean, they're both great, great, great players. Step
1: below Mano Mays
2: and uh, no, 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 no not you know not a step below anybody those okay. guys i mean you know Stan Musial could hit with anybody okay. and, and i mean the guy hit 330 when he was 42 years old and, and Frank Robinson could play with anybody who ever lived so okay. those guys can saying, play with anybody the
1: 1973 baseball amateur draft david Clyde was the first player picked
2: yeah I remember him well
1: right yeah. after high school
2: yeah yeah he went you know. right to the
1: majors yeah. to
2: the yeah, I remember majors, him well yeah. Yeah.
1: and they put him right in
2: because right. Texas had moved. Because he, was, he could sell tickets, yes.
1: sell tickets. Yeah. He bombed after three games, pitched right. well three games, and after right. that it was finished. Has that ever happened since where the number one pick or anybody in the first round went right from high school? To the major
2: leagues? I'm sure it has. I don't remember off the top of my head. I'm sure there's a couple of guys that have gone right from – see, I'm sure there's a couple of guys that went their first year after they were drafted into the majors from high school. It doesn't happen that much anymore, uh, but I'm sure sure it has happened. Uh, I can't give you one off the top of my head that I remember – that went right directly because it, it, it really stopped. And, and they didn't develop pitchers that way anymore. And really, pitches was the only way to do it uh, because the other guys needed at least a little seasoning before they were ready to play in the majors. You know, the idea of coming out and playing at that age. You know, I, listen, K-Line played at that age. Mantle played at that age. I mean, they played as babies. They were in I the major did. leagues as 18-, 19-year-olds. But go ahead. what's up right,
1: One last thing emphasize what Wes Unsell did in the 67-68 season. He came in. Hmm. The league already had Bill Russell, John Havlicek, Wilt Chamberlain, Oscar Robertson, Jerry West.
2: Yeah, L. Uh, yeah, yeah, don't go through the whole league. Okay. What, what's the point?
1: And he became the MVP in the league. He did. Is he won, won the MVP
2: he and he wasn't he wasn't a dominant player. So he he actually that year he had a wonderful year. I mean, you're talking about a guy who became, you're you're talking, but but, I I understand, Richard. but remember, uh, and thanks for the call, the guy is only the second guy ever to do that. The other guy was Will Chamberlain. Will Chamberlain came in, though, and dominated the league. Will Chamberlain came in, and I'm sure his scoring average his first year was 37 or 38 points a game. Wes Unseld averaged 15 points and 18 rebounds, or 14 points and 18 rebounds. But he was in the right spot at the right time. There wasn't a lot of great years that year in the league. He came in, and you know, for some reason, I don't know why Kareem didn't win the MVP as a rookie. He probably should have. He didn't though. I'd have to go back and look why he didn't. Uh, because Kareem was dominant. Uh, West wasn't a dominant player. You know, West wasn't an, an all-time great. He was a. He was a really. I mean, he wasn't an immortal player. He wasn't a Chamberlain or a Russell or a Jabbar. He was a really good player, though. And he was a good leader is what he was. He fit the team so well. That's really what happened. Very few guys come in and have impact on a team the first year. You know, like Bird did. Bird had an incredible impact on a team the first year. Magic came in and had an incredible impact, but he came into a stacked team. I mean, an incredibly stacked team. First of all, I had Jabbar. You don't have to go anywhere for, past that. But he, it was a, a com- incredibly stacked team. Um, so, but Ansel did come in and do something that was very unusual. It did. But he, after that, he was a good leader. He was a wonderful player, a solid player. You know, even an all star player. But not a not a, you know not a not a Jabbar or a. Or a Walton. I mean, not a Walton if if he was healthy. Walton was never healthy, though. Or not a Chamberlain or a Russell or a Jabbar or anybody on that level. Not even close. But he did do something that only Wilt had done, which was win the MVP as a rookie. uh, uh, The only other guy who did it, Unsell did it, and Chamberlain did it. That was it. The only two guys ever to do it. Lyndon and uh, Dick Hills. What's up, Lyndon?
3: Hi, Mike. Uh, Good talking to you. Yeah, what's happening? We're going to change the pace a little today, Uh, Uh go off topic and uh, off sports. I know you like historical drama, I think, and uh, I have a true story that's, I think, very apropos to what's happening today with the protesting and the racism and everything else. You might have even seen it already, so let me just tell you the name first. It's called The Best of Enemies. Have you seen it?
2: Is it a book or a movie?
3: No, it was a book, and then they turned it into a movie.
2: I have never seen it, no.
3: Okay, I recommend it very best highly. Best of Enemies. The best of enemies.
2: The best of enemies. What yeah, is this pertaining to?
3: Okay, it's about a black activist who meets up with a uh, the Klan leader, and they are uh, go against it together. They're trying to.
2: In what year? Some,
3: uh, recent i think it was 2018 or 90 i just saw it recently it's been on
2: no Short no no time. i mean what year was that what year were we talking about what 19, year was
3: 1971 took place in durham north carolina
2: 1971 okay took place in durham north carolina is this north carolina. is this supposed to be a true story
3: it is a true story okay okay yeah, and, who, and
2: who and who were the and who were the combatants
3: the combatants are Ann uh, Ann Atwater and C. P. Ellis. Ann Atwater is the activist. C. P. Ellis is the uh, the the uh, clan leader. Okay. And the the actors are Taraji Henson. I don't know if you know her. Do not. She plays in. Uh, um, I don't even watch the show, but it's uh, she. she uh, and That's And the okay. other one is Rockwell. Sam Rockwell.
2: Okay, I know him well. He's uh, a great one of the great actors in America.
3: Yeah, very good actor. Oh, yeah, he's
2: one of the great. It steals every movie he's in.
3: I know, I know. Um, so I just thought that if you watched it... I, w-
2: I, watched it. I, w- I will check it out. The Best of Enemies.
3: Yeah, let me just say one other thing. If go ahead. you check it out, right. go all the way to the end, because at the okay. end they show the real people what they've done since then, and I would even go to the music at the end. John Legend... Sings a great song at the end, and I think I, I think if you like it, maybe you could even mention it later on to your to your your you know your.
2: I, I will I will definitely check it out. The be- thank you for right. the call. The best of enemies. I will I will definitely I will I I will definitely check it out uh, and see what we come up with. But thank you for that. Appreciate it very much. Uh, do not know the story like I said off the top of my head, but I will check it out. Kevin and Milford, what's up, Kevin?
3: Hey Mike, how you doing tonight? Good, what's up? Um, I got two questions for you and then Go I'll ahead. just hang up and look at your response. Uh first of all, NASCAR's back, right? Outdoor sport. Soccer's yes. back, right. outdoor sport. Right. What is taking MLB so long?
2: Uh, and secondly, Mike. Well, because you, you know, when you when you play with, when you deal with cars, you know, you don't have to. You don't have to talk to them and 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 uh, reason with them. And you know, they don't have a union and stuff but like that. So you know, soccer. Well, nice. listen. Soccer too. Well, but soccer's soccer is an international. Right but soccer is an international game. I mean, you're talking about soccer around the world. You're not talking about soccer in the United States. Uh, and you know, it's not just baseball. It's taken all these sports a long time to get back. But baseball's got a huge economic issue that divides them. And that's what that's, that's what's what taking. Well, that's what it is. I I mean, that's. I believe
3: it's the owners that are keeping it cut
2: back a lot. It's not the owners. It's both sides. They have a disagreement, and that's all. It's, you know, don't blame one side versus the other side. It's not worth it. Thanks for the call. It's not worth blaming one side. It's not worth blaming one side versus the other side. It really isn't. They have a disagreement. Okay. They have an economic disagreement. That's it. And they have to find a way to solve it. And here here it is in a nutshell. This is it, folks. This this is the crux of the matter. The players want to be paid the rest of their money. They think they made the overture in April and May. They want to be paid the rest of the money on their contracts. They're firm on that, and they also want to play a lot of games. The owners don't care about the regular season. They want to minimize their costs in the regular season. They want to extend the playoffs as far as they can. And both sides, and this is critical do not want to do anything that would damage their negotiations next year or in any way move either side in a place that gives them an advantage next year when they hope to do a collective bond agreement that will last for the next 10 years. And that is pivotal to the lifeblood of that sport, and that is why they – are both acting the way they are this year because they don't want to give in to anything. Like a perfect example, the owners are trying to move an extra round of playoffs in and add extra teams. You're going to tell me you're going to play baseball, okay? and you're going to play 162 regular season games, and you are going to then play 16 teams, 16 teams in the playoffs? How ridiculous is your regular season if you're going to play 162 games and then let 16 teams get in the playoffs? But what the owners want is they want extended playoffs because that's where they make their money. Their costs in the regular season are astronomical. And in the regular season, they make the money. In the postseason, they make the money. So they want to push the postseason. The players are like, no, 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 no. So that's why the owners are like, hey, let's play 48 games. And the players are like, let's play 114 games. Players want to get paid. They get paid the more games they play in the regular season. Owners, no, 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 don't worry about the regular season. And if the owners go and implement a 50-game regular season, which they can, then you're going to see how many star players say, I'm not playing. Then it gets tricky. And then you have, really, if they pull that on either side, if they push that forth, there's going to be such bad blood, they're going to be in bad shape for the years to come. Incredibly bad shape. Billy in Connecticut, go ahead, Billy. All right, so no Billy, all right? Uh, So you will have problems that you will have for the rest, for years and years to come. And baseball negotiations are very high level. Both sides are very strong. And the owners have great wealth. The players have tremendous union power. And... They always have an advantage in the courts, and they know it. And they've utilized that to their to their unbelievable uh, advantage so many times that that and in essence, that's where they've always won. That's where they've always won. They have always, always won. the in that you know, if you look, that's where they gain their victories. It's in the courts. That's where they've killed the owners, year after year. And that's, that's really where baseball's been changed. That's where all the great victories have been won by them has been the courts. You know, Sotomayor was their best friend. Year after year, she was their best friend. And it's something they always knew they had in their back pocket, and they were able to use it. They were very litigious. They were very good at it, and it, it came to their advantage. But baseball is in a very tough way. If you ask me right now, though, do I still think there will be a baseball season? My answer is still yes. Because I do think that they would rather have a real animosity and really have really have almost a cold war between the two sides than to deal with what will happen if they don't play at all. The question is, If they do implement the short season, will star players, as they have threatened, actually go forth with the idea that they won't play? That remains to be seen. Will they actually have, because then it becomes an individual thing, because there'll be some stars that will play. I don't know if they can hold the rank and file, and if they can, and they can keep their top players out, then the the sports are folly. That's the fear. That is the real fear that the owners have. If they try to implement it and the big players balk and don't play, they, have, they, have, they basically would, in essence, I don't think they could ever get started if enough of them actually did because they would, they would be in a position where the game would be so lost and the games would have so little appeal. And remember, baseball is going to be being played while these other sports – They're going to be played in a wild couple of months. If it's being played at all, it's going to be played in a calendar now that is going to be jam-packed with triple crown races and horse racing and golf tournaments and majors and playoff games and hockey and basketball and then NFL right around the corner. We don't know yet from college football what we're going to hear from them, but that is going to really put a lot of strain on baseball. So they better go in not putting – forth a really inferior product, they better go in putting forth a pretty good product. Casamigas Tequila, as always, sponsors the program. Brought to you by those who drink it. We'll see you tomorrow.
0: We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? Here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch.